housing in Uganda? Why isn't it taking off? But also the Nairobi Securities Exchange and its diversification plan. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ruth Adong. Uganda, the third largest East African country, faces a huge housing deficit. The Center for Affordable Housing Finance in Africa puts that deficit at 2.4 million units, growing by 200,000 units a year. In 2020, the price of the cheapest newly built house by a former developer in Uganda was found to be 49,900 US dollars, affordable to only 4.4% of the urban population. Now, real estate developers say Uganda's affordable housing market segment holds substantial potential for investment to plug this growing deficit. But structure hiders need to be addressed. Uganda's National Social Security Fund Chief Investment Officer Gerald Kasato-Paul says the global definition of affordable housing is anything but affordable by Ugandan standards. The quick answer to the question is, 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 is that it's actually very challenging to do affordable housing because uh, there are so many definitions of what constitutes affordable housing. If you look at the World Bank and the IFC, they actually there is what they call affordable housing and low-cost housing. Now, let me start with the low-cost housing. According to the World Bank and IFC, that, defi- that definition is between $25,000 and $30,000. Now, you can argue that in the Ugandan context, it's actually not so affordable. Now, when you go to low-cost housing, there's an institution called the Center for Affordable Housing. Now, when you look at their definition, it is a range of between $50,000 to $95,000. Again, we can argue is not so affordable. Casato also adds that real estate developers have to contend with overhead costs like the cost of land and taxes that lie somewhere north of 50%. There are structural challenges of doing affordable housing. The first challenge is VAT. VAT on residential construction is a cost because you cannot recover it, so you have 18%. The other other hurdle is um, infrastructure. If you're going to do a project, say, in Temangalo, and you're putting, you're putting up, say, 4,000 or 3,000 units, you cannot build them without roads. Now, according to our statistics, the cost of infrastructure constitutes another 15 20%. Then you have the other hurdle, of the cost of land. The fund is just like any other developer that has to buy land. The cost of land for housing for the fund will be between 10% to 20%. So already 50% of the cost is in two costs that are unavoidable. Then you have fees to be paid to the local authorities. Before any plan or master plan is to be approved, you have to pay fees to the local authorities. You have to pay fees to NEMA. So the issue is it is extremely difficult to do affordable housing or, lo- or even low-cost housing. But the fund is making every effort to come up with low-cost housing. Kasato cites Kenya as a case study. He says despite removing huddles, the state has only been able to deliver 500 units against a target of 500,000 low-cost units by the end of the year under the Big Four agenda. Low-cost housing is extremely challenging. Let me give an example in Kenya. When Uhuru was sworn in for his term, which is about to end in 2022, one of the Big Four things he promised was affordable housing. In fact, when you go to Kenya, one of the big four is 500 units of low-cost housing. By the end of his term, there are only 500 units that have been done in Ngara. Now, Kenya went ahead and they put in place every infrastructure required. 
They opened a mortgage refinancing company for demand. They provided infrastructure. They provided land. They provided everything on the 500 units. So I think you can understand why the fund will find it difficult to provide low-cost housing. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. Around 600 international finance professionals will, starting today, October 19th, gather in Kigali for a five-day Africa microfinance week. The event, commonly known as SAM, is the largest inclusive finance gathering in Africa. The event is being held under the theme, One is not born resilient, one becomes it. Fostering inclusive finance to better overcome crises. The conference will be looking to discuss and share insights on strengthening the resilience of the financial service operators and beneficiaries to shocks such as COVID-19 pandemic. Also to be given priority are discussions around inclusive finance in the COVID-19 crisis in Africa, lessons learned and strategies for resilience. Pathways to resilience, a favorable environment, digital transformation and climate change are key topics as well. The latest figures compiled by Interpol Uganda show that hackers have become more lethal in the COVID-19 era. The statistics on cybercrimes contained in a report indicate that $4 million was lost to online fraudsters in the last 12 months. The $4 million was lost in more than 200 cases of high-tech, international and economic crimes of which bank fraud, issuance of fake visa and online business fraud topped the list. Apart from bank fraud that took Alan's share of the money lost to cyber kingpin standing at $3 million. The issuance of fake visa came in second at $542,000 US dollars. And in third place was online business fraud causing a loss of $112,000 US dollars. Uber is testing pool chance, a feature that lets riders heading in the same direction share the cost of the journey in Kenya with plans to roll out the low-cost service to Ghana and Nigeria. The new service being introduced for the first time in Africa is similar to Uber Pool, launched in San Francisco Bay Area in 2014 and later introduced in multiple cities across the world. Uber says on the app that the pool chance will bring the cost of rides down by up to 30%, further making its trips more affordable to riders. Uber is available in eight markets across Africa, including Egypt, South Africa, Uganda, Tanzania, and Morocco. Kenya will diversify its market products and increase the number of listings to boost its financial index score. The Nairobi Securities Exchange Chief Executive Geoffrey Odundo says the initiatives would boost Kenya's financial market and help improve on the pillars that saw its score drop. It follows the country's drop in an index that measures the capacity of countries to attract investors in Africa. According to the fifth edition of the Financial Markets Index by ABSA Africa, Kenya dropped to position 11 from position 7 last year, scoring 47 out of 100, the least in five years. The drop was attributed to the low capacity of retail investors and slow enforcement of standard financial market master arguments. Odundo says NSE plans to increase the number of listed firms to 100 to reduce the concentration risk held by NSE Top 5, which includes Safaricom, KCB, Equity Group, East African Breweries and Cooperative Bank. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is the K-Financial, and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K-Financial, and you can find me on Twitter at Ruthadon.